Hello. Welcome. What's up? Say something? <laughs> What's up? What's up? I guess we should do the obligatory Happy New Year. Yeah, let's do it. Happy New Year. It is another Tech Pedition podcast. As you know, we do this thing every week or close to every week oh, where yeah. we talk about tech and general rambling, sometimes anime, sometimes other stuff. You know, we just kind of do what we want. Yeah, man. So, um, this is the start of a new year, a new season of Tech Pedition. We're now in season four. That's one, two, three, four. And, um, so how you doing, Clinch? <laughs> doing great, man. I'm doing great. Hey, Brittany, happy new year. Um, yeah, man, we are, um, we're starting a new season, starting a new year. Uh, anything jump out to you from last year that you want to mention real quick before we move on until the new 2019 happenings? What what, um, what was the big thing of last year? The big thing? And we kind of talked about it a little bit in our last Techpedition reunion cast, but... Um, know, any- honestly... Oh, so I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I would say, honestly, I missed it when it came out, but I would say the biggest story probably... Didn't Breath of the Wild come out in 2018? Uh, no, I don't think so. It didn't? I want to say that was last year. Came out in 2017. Oh wow! <laughs> it came out in 2017. Oh my! No, you, just got your, uh, you just I'm got your. You just got your This past I, I thought it came out early 2018. It's okay. Well, never mind. Um, <laughs> nothing really jumped out of me, man. Um, it was more of the same, really. Um, you know, Nvidia released new chips. They released new GPU, but it wasn't like it was cool. I mean, the RTX thing was cool until I learned out that it was like a huge performance hit to FPS. So like. You know, it's kind of like anti-aliasing was 10 years ago where you couldn't really turn it on anything. Yeah. Because it make, make your game slow down. In a couple of years, excuse me, in a couple of years, that'll be cool. But um, I don't know. What about you? Oh, uh, man, a lot of good games. Um, I've been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed, but that's about it. Yet to play Red Dead, which, you know, was a huge one from the past year. So in the games department, you know, definitely that. Um, I don't know. I think maybe... As far as growth of the tech industry in general, I thought it was pretty good up until we started getting these trade disputes uh, in the latter half of the year, which as we've Let's seen, not go there. Yeah, well, which we've seen Apple uh, lost their spot at the number one uh, to to Microsoft of all people, and then uh, Microsoft is seated, have, and Microsoft is seated that to, to Amazon now. So, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the tech giants are. Uh, not looking so great, you know. So yeah, and it's not so much that uh, that Amazon and Microsoft grew as Apple <laughs> shrinking because of the lack of their phone sales. I don't know if you had that on your docket, but um, they released this thing about how um, <clears throat> kind of blaming that their um their phone sales from on people upgrading their like repairing their phones instead of buying a new one. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's just because there's there hasn't been any significant phone upgrades. Well, also, they had the big controversy with the uh, slowing down of the phones, which they oh, resolved. Yeah, that's and, you know, yeah. Maybe that's why they're not making as much money. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Brittany makes a good point in our chat, uh, which is at Facebook.com. Just search for Techpedition, where uh, she's talking about uh, PlayStation skipping E3 in this go- upcoming yes. year, uh, which is huge. A huge revelation we got in, in, in this past year. So. I yeah, know. I forgot about that, but I mean, to me, and we might have talked about this, I don't think companies need E3 anymore. 
like the 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 developer or the publisher and the consumer now like even 10 years ago it wasn't so much but like now they're basically face to face like you can talk to directly yeah. to the developers of games like the PR companies are reaching out to their consumers now whereas if you wanted to talk to somebody from Sony in the past, you would have to call, and maybe somebody would re- direct you to somebody who knew something, or yeah. you know, you had to have a press number. But now you just add them on Twitter, <laughs> and you can, you can, you know. And you know the Nintendo Direct thing. Nintendo's never innovative, really, but they were with their Nintendo Directs. Yeah, because I, I mean, I think that's the model that everybody should follow. It's like you don't need E three; just have your presser, because ninety percent of the people watching it are not going to be in the room with you, they're going to be watching it on a stream and save that money. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I know it's something to, um, getting hands on is, is a big part of it, but you know, you still can just release a demo online or things like that. So yeah, I don't, I don't think it's needed as much, maybe more for the smaller developers, the indie developer crowd, maybe, but then you have GDC for that. So I don't know. Uh, do we really need E3? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I love the spectacle. I've been to E3 twice. So I love the spectacle. I love the booth babes and the booths and the new games. And, like, all that stuff's really cool. The lights. The <laughs> lights and the flashing. But it's just one of those things where, for example, L.A. is heavily unionized. So if you bought a booth at E3, it costs you X thousand dollars to rent a booth. And then you can't even set your own booth up. You have to pay union workers to come set yeah. your booth up. You know, so you're paying them on top of paying for the booth. And it's just like it's it's a big pain in the butt. Like I can see why Nintendo or sorry, Sony is pulling out. Yeah. And then you have other companies that actually come there, but they actually don't go to E3. They're like across the street. Yeah. (laughs) I know Microsoft does that. Yeah. In the 90s, um, the gathering of developers, which was like this huge independent um. A game developer i don't know some people may remember them but um that's what they used to do is during e3 they would have this huge party across the street um where they have like <laughs> fire breathers and like it just like this huge like almost renaissance fair like post i guess it would be like a post pop a post-apocalyptic renaissance fair type vibe and that's where they would show their games off and i, I you know like it's <laughs> It's still it's still a fun thing, but yeah, I agree that it's not really necessary anymore. Cool. Yeah. So from one big conference to another, <laughs> uh, a little more recently, CES twenty nineteen, man. Yeah. Speaking of big spectacles, um, CES. Um, I was really pumped for this CES because of the first time. <laughs> Andy says he remembers the gathering of developers. He thinks. <laughs> Because he says, he says, I remember it because I'm old. <laughs> we all are, Andy. We all are. Indeed, we all are. But yeah, so this um, CS is really significant because for the first time, AMD CEO, who is Lisa Sue, is actually actually did today did the keynote. Um, so there's interesting history here. So Jensen Huang, who is the CEO of NVIDIA, used to work at AMD. And then he left AMD, or I guess at the time it was ATI, before AMD bought them. He left ATI, founded NVIDIA, right? But one other interesting thing I found out is that Lisa Sue and Jensen Hang are actually, they're actually related. They're like oh, really? either cousins or, I, th- I think I read that he's her uncle or oh, something. Wow. Like, 
they're they're That's pretty crazy. closely related, um, which is pretty interesting if you think about it. But um, do we want to start off with AMD since I'm already talking about them? Yeah, yeah, let's go for it. Let's uh, let's talk about uh the, the new video card we got from them. Okay, so they they made an announcement. Um, I said and watched this stream um while I was working, but um they they had really pretty t- two pretty big announcements for this. Um, the first one is they announced their next generation i guess well it's not i wouldn't call it next generation because it comes out next month but they announced their (laughs) next gpu which is the radeon 7 which is interesting um that they picked the number seven um, because yes you know because vega starts with v and it's the second vega card so it's vega 2 vii or v2 comes out the seven it's seven nanometer it's on a seven nanometer process it comes out february 7th and it's also seven hundred dollars so, yeah, I thought that was interesting. But anyway, uh, this is AMD's uh, return to the high-end GPU market. I believe their last high-end GPU was the Radeon Fury X was their last high, high-end GPU. And that GPU came out quite a while ago. I want to say it came out like five, six years ago. It was it was a it was a long time ago. Um, let's see here. Release date. It came out in 2015. Wow, that wasn't that long ago. So was that a step above the <clears throat> the the, uh, the last few Vegas or? So no. So like the Fury X. So they had the R9 series, which was like the R9 390 and whatnot. Um, so it's really weird because they've been using the same like base architecture which is called Graphics Compute Next, GCN. They've been using that same architecture since the 7900 series, which was like 2000, I want to say like 2011, 2012. The 7970 came out, which was like, when it came out, it was like the most powerful GPU ever, which if you know, if you've been following AMD lately, that's a pretty big deal because they haven't had the most powerful GPU or anything really in quite a while. Yeah. but they basically been iterating on this technology. The R9 series came out after that, and then the Fury X series, the Fury series came out. So there was the R9 Fury X, there was the R9 Nano, uh, which was like a miniaturized version of that. Uh, and then after that, they did the art the I want to I almost said RTX. They did the um the RX card. So you had the RX 480 um and the RX 470. And since they've released the RX 580. RX 570, which is basically the same GPU with like minor, I think they did some minor um, power consumption enhancements, but it's pretty much the same thing. You could actually crossfire. If you know anything about crossfire, SLI, oh, yeah. you, you can't really do it unless the cards are the same. You can actually crossfire a RX 470 and RX 570. So oh, like that just cool. tell you, they're pretty much the same card. Yeah. And then this year, the, like this December, they released the, the um, RX 590, which is basically another optimization of the same technology. Um, but these have been like low to mid-range cards. Um, 1080p powerhouses, basically. But if you know anything about computer gaming, like we're, we're, we're past 1080p for the most part. As far as like on the high end, you have 2K, which is 1440p, and you have 4K, which is like 2160p, I think. But... um. They haven't really had anything in this that space that has been competitive with with NVIDIA. Uh, so this was a huge announcement. Only, you know, just taking it at base level, it was a huge announcement just that they have a card 
in this like price range, like the seven hundred to thousand dollar price range. They haven't had a card in forever, so that was a pretty huge announcement. They did well, some. Um, well, well, let me I'm ask sorry, you. Right? Let me ask you. This is the their stab at four K gaming, right now. The, uh, talk talk a little bit about what's available on the Intel side or the Nvidia side. I'm sorry. Okay, so four K gaming. What's the equivalent? So basically take four 1080p screens just to simplify it 1080p resolution is like pushing that with max graphics it's it's not not a insignificant thing like if you have Definitely a graphics not. card yeah. in your your machine that can play 1080p games higher than 60 frames a second like that's a pretty 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 you know that's a pretty decent card um but what we're doing is we're taking that and we're basically multiplying it by four yes um, so that's how many pixels you're pushing. So you need significantly more powerful hardware. And even in the PC space, this has been something sort of a holy grail because it's just been so difficult to do with, with that amount of pixels, you know, manufacture something that can meet that fill rate. So uh, this recently, um, a, NVIDIA released the RTX 2080 and 2080 Ti cards. Those were a big deal, you know. The ray tracing thing was kind of hyped, but you know, yeah, it ended up, definitely hyped. if you if you turn ray tracing on, you don't get high frames a second, which it was a deal breaker for me, which is why I canceled my twenty eighty Ti pre order because I'm like, if I can't play the games, you know, I'm not going to spend eleven hundred dollars for a graphics card to play at thirty frames a second. I'm yeah, just not going to do it. I don't care definitely. who made the card, but um, so you have that. You know, previous generation you had the ten eighty Ti. Which can play some games in 4K, but um, you're going to be reducing graphical settings. You're not going to fa- have anti-aliasing on. But the interesting thing is you don't really need anti-aliasing. You don't really need it at like 2K and 4K. You know, you're not going to get like super, super jaggies. You'll you'll notice them a little bit, but you can easily like I have my anti-aliasing turn off. Like I play a lot of Rocket League and I could probably play Rocket League anti-aliased in uh, 4040p but i normally turn it off just because i want the frames um but those are pretty much the two cards the 2080 and the 2080 ti now the 2080 is basically a 1080 ti with rtx um uh hardware and there's something called a deep learning super sampling which is basically um it's it's kind of weird to understand like to describe it but basically uh, they have like these huge like cloud compute supercomputers, and basically they figure out how to render the games and for some way they can transfer that information to the car to make it run faster. Is that actually still, being utilized, Eddie? Because I think there's like two games that use. It. <laughs> that sounds like um, the stuff Microsoft was trying to do a couple of years back. I think there's like two or three games that use it, but that that's actually really cool. Like in some games. They're saying you could see up to a thirty percent performance increase just from having the deep learning um, models that are run by the supercomputer. Having those models transferred to your card, um, it will help it run faster. So, wow. I mean, that's pretty cool. Interesting. I'm Interesting. not, I'm not really sold on the RTX part, but the DLS is pretty cool. Um, and basically, that's it. So, um, enter the Radeon Seven. So, the Radeon Seven. Um, I have the specs pulled up here. It's it's on the seven nanometer process, which is uh, basically a die shrinkage. Your GPU processor die is just it gets it's smaller. So when it's smaller, that means it's easier to cool. That means it's bit more power efficient because it's less less transistors, less sil- silicon. You're yeah. not 
going to need as much power to run it. So basically you can push it harder and it's easier to cool. So therefore you should be able to get better performance even from just a die shrinkage, which which this is. This isn't a re they didn't re-architecture their graphics card. This is just basically the Vega one die shrunk. Um and you know you have it has three three thousand eight hundred forty stream processors. That's what's ever whatever. It has sixteen gigabytes of memory on it. Yeah. So a seven hundred dollar graphics card with sixteen gigabytes of memory, that is not insignificant. But what makes this even more significant is that it's using high bandwidth memory. And um, I guess really the only thing you need to know about high bandwidth HBM, too, is that it's it's pretty expensive to manufacture. And basically, you have to have it pretty close to your your GPU die. So basically, if you look, there's some pictures of it without the heatsink on it. And you see the big die and there's like there's like four little silver like squares around the GPU like uh-huh. processor or die, whatever you want to call it. That's the HBM. It's generally really, really close to the actual processor or the processing units. Um, and basically what that's going to enable them to do is have one terabyte per second of memory bandwidth. And the, the cool thing about this is that they'll be able to push the, um, push the graphics information a lot harder. So, Whereas, um, like even the 2080 Ti, the $1,100 2080 Ti only has 600, I think it's 660 gigabytes per second of memory bandwidth. Um, the, the, um, NVIDIA equivalent, as far as like the memory and the memory bandwidth is like a $6,000 card. Um, so that's pretty cool. One thing, yeah, one thing they'll be able to do with that though, is take that 4k, gaming experience a little further because they, they they'll be able to move more information basically through the graphics card um i mean I, that's what it boils down to they were they showed a few demos of some stuff running in 4k yeah. and generally graphics cards choke one of the reasons they choke on 4k is just because it's there's so much information yeah. going S- through the card that it, of it yeah yeah that's one of the limitations so they're basically removing that bottleneck um, so we should see improved performance, even though this card isn't necessarily as powerful as the 2080 Ti. It should be able to, you know, post better 4K numbers, equal or better than the 2080. Um, I guess what it boils down to. I mean, it's not revolutionary. I'm not going to sit here and act like this is like the, you know, like the sliced bread of of graphics because it's not. I mean, it's it's iterative. It's basically they've taken three. What is it? What was the last one come out? 2015. They've basically taken four years to release a product that is equivalent to the second most powerful NVIDIA product right now. But, I mean, if you're like me, like a lot of people just been waiting for AMD to have something competitive in yeah. the high-end space. Like for yeah. me, example, if they would have had in a, like a counterpart or a equivalent to the 10, 1080 Ti, I would have gotten that instead of getting the NVIDIA because I love AMD and I like supporting what they do. They just... They didn't have anything, so they missed out on a lot of sales because of it. So maybe this is their, you know, reentry into that market to try to get some of that market share back. So how how, do, how does those price points compare to the the second best card on the Nvidia side? Uh, the second best card, the twenty eighty, um, the MSRP is six ninety nine. However, oh, hey. um, there's a caveat to that. So the first caveat is if you go on Newegg right now and look. For 2080, you are you you might find one or two that are 
six ninety nine. Most of them are going to be like eight fifty. Basically, um, there's a Founders Edition twenty eighty Ti made by Nvidia. That one is seven ninety nine. And the reason that one's more expensive is because they bend the chips. They take the best chips, the best performing chips, and they put those in the Founders Edition, and you know they charge more. And basically, if you get a six ninety nine twenty eighty, you're getting like the second tier twenty eighty chips. I mean, it's still going to be really really fast, but you're not getting a top tier twenty eighty car, which is funny to say it for a card to cost seven hundred dollars, but. That's just kind of how they do things. And, you know, that that's how basically all chip manufacturers operate is they have their high-end brands like Quattro um, on the NVIDIA side. And then uh, AMD has their high-end workstation graphics. And basically, those are the expensive, most expensive cars. We're talking thousands of dollars. They basically test their chips, and the best ones go to that. And then the ones that can't quite cut that higher tier, they create another skew, skew that's a little less powerful. <laughs> And then they turn those cores or whatever off, the compute units off that aren't working on that card for the higher end. And then they make a lower skew card and then it just trickles down. And like, that's how they come up with their different models. Um, so I guess it's, that's how it is. Um, yeah, I'm cool. excited, though. You know, I'm excited just for NVIDIA. I mean, AMD having something competitive. Oh, yeah. Hopefully they release something. It'd be cool to see them release something that's competitive with the 2080 Ti, but I mean, maybe that's asking too much right now. (laughs) Maybe it's just soak in the all in due time. The competition, all in due time. So I I, just talked a lot. I apologize. No, you're 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 fine because that was all good information. Now I know you probably want to talk about the Intel stuff too. Am I right? Um, I'm. I didn't. I didn't really see. I didn't. I know they released some new. They released some new information on their. Um processors but it didn't seem like they released too much information to me i didn't watch the press conference yeah. so well before we get into that i'll go ahead and talk about the the roll fold up foldable roll up rollable tv rollable screen tv uh which Roll-up is the, t- the lg oled tv r which Please is telling me there's a video there is a video so uh there this is a television that has a base a box box rectangular like base and the television actually will roll completely in the base. Now, the base also has speakers. It has um, Dolby, Dolby Atmos speakers built inside of it. But but it does roll completely inside the base. And it's kind of crazy. Um, so how this kind of works is that... There's like, if you can think of like a bar system in the back of the base that like kind of rolls out to bring the screen up. So they yeah. have, they have that. <laughs> on, oh, <laughs> are you I'm watching, watching the, video? the video? Yeah. yeah I mean, cool. it's, it's pretty crazy. Some of the things the TV can do is that if you just want to like look at weather and things like that, more informational things, you can like change how far it comes up. So maybe it just pops up far enough to watch the weather. Um, I think it's cool. It's like the equivalent of, I heard somebody else say this, of back in the past, we had the big televisions in the cabinets where you just like close the cabinet and the television was gone. It's kind of the modern day equivalent to that. Um, I don't see a price on here. It's going to be ridiculously expensive, as we well know. Yes. Uh, but it's, it's, <laughs> yes, it will. But it is a 65-inch OLED TV. Um, just crazy. And it's supposed to be available this year, which is just crazy to me man i'm just that, trying to catch up on the oled stuff and they got 
Freaking rollable TVs. He's like, I'm never going to catch up. And a bit of funny, um, I guess, part of this story that came out. And I'm reading the Engadget article. Um, LG claims the set is good for 50,000 rolls. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's kind of where we at. <laughs> Well, my TV is good for 60,000 rolls. <laughs> my t- therefore, my TV is better. I, I can just hear somebody having that conversation. <laughs> yeah. So another thing about this television, and we can transition this into some more stories that I have, is that, um, you know, Apple has are opening up the technology that they've mostly put in their Apple TV to this point. So this TV will have AirPlay and I think oh, it will also so have pulling a Roku. Yeah. So it's going to have AirPlay and also have iTunes. So you can actually buy Apple content on this LG TV. And then also Samsung and other uh, third party companies are adopting the Apple system within their televisions, which I think is pretty cool. Um, why Very nice. Why is I Apple believe doing they this? haven't done that before now. Like, I mean, if, if they're going to bolster their own television service, you know, their own Apple streaming service, which we've been hearing about for a while now, uh, I think this is the right thing to do. Um, it's sort of like the equivalent of them releasing iTunes on the PC. It's just more people that have, you know, smart TVs these days. And why not do it? You know, more monies, more monies. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Nothing wrong with more money. But yeah, that's that's uh, Apple technology is slated to uh, debut on newer TVs starting this year as well. So, yeah, some some good TV news coming out of CES. Right on, right on. Did I see you posted the Vive Cosmos thing? Um, to me, that looks like just a Windows mixed reality headset. Like it, the, the controllers and everything. I like. I never see them use the term Windows Mixed Reality, but it looks exactly like <laughs> one. What did you? What do you think? Um, you know, we can say that the Vive. I mean, you actually demo or, or bought for a little while the Mixed Reality headset from was it um, Samsung? Not Samsung. Uh, I, I think it? I had the Lenovo one. Lenovo, Lenovo. So we know that they have this inside out technology, but with this Cosmos, this new version of uh the HTC Vive not HTC yeah the Vive the HTC Vive is slated to possibly connect to a PC maybe to a console maybe even to a smartphone yes um, that's kind of what they're saying here um one of the things that I've seen I saw a demo of it one of the things I saw was that it's supposedly does a better job of of tracking your eyes or it does some eye tracking technology. So it has the ability, like when you're in the virtual world and you're looking at something to make it look by, more natural by maybe putting a blur and putting more focus on the exact thing you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like if you're in a car in the virtual reality and you look at the car stereo, it has the ability to focus more on that. So it makes the experience a little more believable. Again, like inside out tracking, no more uh, satellite, um, receivers across the room to kind of tell where you're going. Yeah. So I think it's pretty cool, man. I think it's pretty cool. We do need to keep moving this technology along, you know. Uh, yeah. It's been kind of stagnant for a couple of years now, I guess. I guess we just got better screens on the latest versions. Yeah, they so, just bumped up the resolution, basically, is what they did with the newer one. Um, Which isn't a, which isn't a insignificant thing, but it's just like, eh. 
Uh, one thing, I, one thing that I thought was really cool about the Cosmos is that not only does it have the two front cameras, it actually has two on the side as yes. well. Yes, that's because cool. one one of the problems that I ran into with the Windows Mix reality set is that it just has the two on the front. So if you're flailing your arms around, like the tracking, <laughs> like if you move them. like this, the hand just stops right here, and like when the camera picks up the one again, it'll just move. But this looks like it'll you'll be able to get like a full range of motion. And the head tracking should be better because it's got two more cameras. And I believe you can adjust the IPD, the interpupillary distance, which uh-huh. is something I couldn't do on the um, Lenovo Explorer, which basically made it unusable usable for me because my IPD didn't match what the, the headsets was. Uh-huh. I don't even know how you can have that fixed. On, yeah, like, that's kind of crazy. But, um, yeah, so I'm really excited about this. I'm, I, I hope it... It's not like $800. <laughs> I hope it's like affordable, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I guess they're also touting like ease of setup. You know, I never really set one of these up, so I, so I don't know actually how hard they are. You know, so hopefully, hopefully this is just another step to make this more of a reality uh, and, you know, bring more people in, you know. Yes. Sounds like a good idea to me. Okay, what else we got? Uh, what else do we have here? We talked about TVs. Um, I would talk about Google, but they just they just announced a bunch of voice assistant stuff that yeah, eh. their assistant, <laughs> they're basically trying to pull an Alexa and put their assistant everywhere. Is the hey, what, it, what it boils down to, you know, in TVs, in Sonos, um, in Dish, uh, there there are. Pimping their assistant, basically. <laughs> so yeah, not a lot to say there, I guess. Um, I was going to talk about. Hmm, Intel demonstrates ten nanometer isolate. Oh, processor. they finally got their ten nanometer yields. Like, yeah, they they've been like super super behind on ten nanometer. They've been on fourteen nanometer forever since like Skylake, which was like. Skylake was like the 60s? No, Skylake was... It's been a couple of years they've been on the same technology since 2015, which basically... um, Yeah, it's like they've basically been reusing the same architecture over and over again, adding more cores and bumping up clock speed. Kind of the same thing AMD was doing with their graphics cards. They're, yeah. They've been doing with... They're CPUs, but in their defense, they didn't really have an incentive to innovate because AMD didn't really have a competitive CPU either. Um, the Bulldozer architecture before the Zen architecture was just not very good. Uh, so it's it's cool to see it's cool to see AMD getting their feedback on them because it's making Intel you know move their feet as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've been on 14 nanometer forever, so it's significant in that regard because, you know, like I said, we should get some more of those efficiencies, better performance, yeah. you know, uh, Thunderbolt three, like that's the only thing I hate about not having <laughs> an Intel box is that you don't like for now you don't get Thunderbolt and Thunderbolt is amazing. It's basically like, well, like is, is it you, like I do recording. So like. USB just introduces latency, so uh, but three has gotten a, fire, a little faster, hasn't it? Though with the USB three, three is like three is like 
USB three is faster, but it's not still Thunderbolt not Thunderbolt. Fast. Like yeah. Thunderbolt three is like insanely fast. Let, let me see. Thunderbolt three speed. It's it's really really fast. Okay, it's so okay. USB three point limit is th- five gigabits per second. Thunderbolt three can do forty. Oh wow! And, that, yeah. and that's with no zero comparison. latency because it uses a PCI Express lane. Uh-huh. It's, there's no latency, so like if you're recording something, it's zero latency. It's like USB just by its nature and its architecture, it introduces like some some milliseconds of latency. So that was one of the reasons I was really interested. In it. But the other cool thing is you can have one USB C plugged it like from my my Mac. For example, I plug in one USB-C Thunderbolt cable and I plug it in, you know, it's a breakout box. Mm-hmm. And from that one USB plugged into my computer, I can do power. I can do yeah. HDMI. I can have some more USBs, you know, yeah, for other cool. devices. I can have Ethernet. All like that's just how m- much higher bandwidth it is. You can just run everything through that one cable. That's freaking um, cool. So, yeah. That's really awesome. I I would hope that at some point AMD adopts it, but I don't know. It's not looking good. Yeah. Like another thing from this Verge article, uh, Ice Lake Ice Lake is an important step for Intel for 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 Intel after years of 10 nanometer delays and struggles. Intel originally planned to introduce the 10, 10 nanometer processors dubbed Cannon Lake back in 2016. Good Lord. Yep. Um and their latest earnings report revealed that this year would be the year they're going to debut them. And it looks like they're holding true to that. So, so yeah. Yeah. Very, very exciting. Very exciting. Tech happening. Competition is a good thing, man. Regardless of which company you root for, it's good to have two competitive companies. Because if you don't, you get what Intel's been for like the last five years. What NVIDIA's been for the last five years. They don't really have a incentive to push the envelope, and you get somebody like AMD who's desperate to break through, so they offer good performance at competitive prices, and it just shakes everything up, and it's I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. So is there anything else you saw at a CES that kind of piqued your interest? Yeah, I mean, there's one more AMD thing. I I, I kind of feel like an AMD show right now, but it's just oh, like they, 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 they also kind of like teased their third-generation Ryzen or their third generation Ryzen, their Zen 2 CPU. Mm-hmm. And the architecture of the CPU is actually pretty interesting. And okay, so the top Intel consumer part is the i9-9900K. It's eight core 16 thread, um, high instructions per clock, best performance, you know, not best performance for a dollar, but best raw performance that you can get for like less than a thousand dollars, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like five forty, six hundred. It's like five, six hundred dollars somewhere in there. So anyway, there were rumors that the new the, the new Ryzen CPU is going to be sixteen core, thirty two thread. Like that was the hype. Is that they're going to release a consumer consumer chip with sixteen cores, thirty two threads, which is insane. Yeah, and really like is. I kind of didn't want to believe it. Because I didn't want to disappoint myself, um, but you know they showed the chip. It the chip that they were running benchmark comparisons against the i nine nine hundred K was eight core sixteen thread. So it was kind of a letdown. I was like, blah. <laughs> but there there is hope. So okay, so as you know, this is moving down to seven nanometer. Um, it's a minimum of fifteen percent performance jump from uh, Zen Plus, which is the Ryzen two chips. Um, 
and the really cool thing about it is it's it's less power and um they've because it's it's this is a completely new architecture. This isn't just the die shrink of the original first generation Ryzen. You get higher instructions per clock, so you know this chip next to the i9-9900K, and it actually beat it, and it used less power. And they haven't even finalized the clock the clock speed yet. So that's really really um, encouraging. That you know identical systems. Yeah, everything is identical. They run Cinebench. It finishes first on the AMD box. You know, it was it wasn't a huge it wasn't a huge lead, but it was a lead. But I'm gonna tell you why that's highly encouraging. Number one, the way they've architect architectured this CPU, they use something called chiplets. I don't know if you see the the picture that they show with the CPU die. It's at the top of the article. But basically, there's an I/O chip, um, which is basically it's a it's that one is still fourteen on a fourteen nanometer yeah, process. This is it crazy. Is, it's basically the RAM controller and um, basically anything that wouldn't have benefited from the die shrink. They kept it at 14 nanometers and they made a basically a IO chiplet. And basically the CPU cores, and they're actually on a separate chiplet. So you see like a big one and a small one. The big one's the IO and the small ones are actually the eight cores and 16 threads. And if you look at that chip, the interesting thing is... They could fit another one of those chiplets on there. <laughs> they really could. They so really they they can still do the. You know, I'm holding out hope that they still release a 16 core, 32 thread consumer part. Hmm. And I'm gonna tell you why this is significant because they're using this same architecture, the Zen 2 architecture, on their Epic, which is their server grade CPU. And there's also something called Threadripper, which is very similar to Epic. And the the problem that I had with the, the first generation and second generation Threadripper, they were ridiculous. Like there's a 32 core, 64 thread Threadripper CPU. It's like $1,700 or something. But the problem is it basically has four dies on it, four Zen 1 dies. And the problem is only two of those dies have ac- direct memory access. If the other two want to pull, you know, if they want to do something with memory, they have to go through the other the other dot, the other die, so uh-huh. it, it, it introduces latency, and it's just not inefficient. It's kind of it kind of cripples the chip. But since they've broken the cores out from the other stuff, basically that big I/O chip is the memory controller, and each of the chiplets will have direct access to memory through that interconnect. So it's actually going to make that you know it's going to bring down that latency and make it just that much more efficient. Um, so. Th- th- <laughs> It's it's kind of a big deal, and because of the sh- you know the shrunk the shrink, it's gonna consume less power as well. Uh, so this is this one's gonna be a big deal, I think, especially now that their performance is on par with the the, the Intel parts. Um, this could be the year that they make that jump, you know, to where because if you remember, like when you know AMD basically invented sixty four bit chips. Yes. Like Intel actually licenses AMD's 64-bit chip uh, patent to make their chips. So this could be that level of significance for AMD. Because like when AMD 64 came out, they were like they were the best. So you know this could you know especially if they throw another chiplet in there and make it a 16-core, 32-thread processor, like it could put them back on top easily. Yeah, I'm I'm still trying to wrap my head around why it would be why it's better to have the IO broken out. 
Well, because if the IOs included, well, there are two reasons. The first reason is those parts wouldn't have benefited from the die shrink. Gotcha. Um, make, okay, that makes but, sense. Making those At parts smaller, yeah, making those parts smaller wouldn't have actually made the chip any faster or efficient. Uh-huh. Plus, you would have had to have one of those for each of those chiplets. So basically, they pulled all that stuff out and they made the chip as small as they could. Or the chiplet, the core chiplet, as small as they could. Um, and actually, they have something called Infinity Fab- Fabric. I don't know if they're using Infinity Fab- Fabric for this, but it's a high-speed interconnect. I'm assuming that that's how they're connecting the chiplets to the IO chip. Um, so it just, <laughs> you know, I, agree with you. I mean, the fact that they're breaking it out, I do see the benefits of them down the line to allow adding another chiplet to utilize its same IO core. Uh, I can see the benefits there. Definitely. Instead and of I mean, replicating it like they would before. Yeah. Just think about like Threadripper and um, Threadripper and epic the actual processor chip it's like twice the size of that so just think about yeah. how many of those chiplets they can fit on there yeah um yeah. if there's no like bottleneck with the io you know i would think yeah at a certain point it would you know be diminishing returns but they'll all have direct like the cool thing to me is like they'll all have basically have direct memory access so you won't run into those problems with you know the chip or the core finding a path to memory. Um, like that was, it was so weird. They had to do actually do something in the OS with the Ripper to get it to work correctly. Cause there was two ways you could get it to work. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember what the two ways were. One of them I think was to actually assign the chips that didn't have direct memory access. You could assign those to one of the ones that did and have them act as like two separate CPUs. So in your OS, it would look like you had two CPUs instead of just one. Um, and for somehow that made it work. I I don't know. It's was, it was kind of a headache. That's one reason I wasn't that interested in Threadripper is because of that. But And is this I mean, slated this, for 2019? Like could, yeah. Yeah, this is coming out this year. Oh, wow. So, you know, oh, oh yeah, not even. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> even mention the fact that this chip, as amazing as it is, um... I can take this chip, drop it in my computer. Okay. It's AM4. Same socket? Yes, AM4, just like the Ryzen system or the Ryzen motherboard that I have that's two years old. It's running on the same socket. So I just drop my CP, that CPU in my motherboard. I might have to do a BIOS update or something and good to go. Don't have to buy a new motherboard, no new RAM or anything. So, like, that's the other cool thing about buying AMD is that you don't really have to invest in anything else. If you have a semi-recent, you know, system, you don't really have to buy, worry about buying another motherboard or whatever. So it's a nice bonus, I guess. Sweet. Coolness, man. I'm really excited if you hadn't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully if we get this, I'm not announcing anything, but if we get this video re- review show going, um, it, it, you know, you may be, be able to demo some of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm really looking forward to maybe in a couple months. I'm right now. I'm trying to <clears throat> decide whether or not I'm going to try to hawk my 1080 Ti and <laughs> pick up a Radeon Seven. Um, I know I'm not getting a 2080 or a 2080 Ti just because. Yeah, I, I, I don't but, blame you. 
But I would like to maybe see if I could get a a Radeon 7 just to benchmark it and compare it to the TI. I think that would be a really cool thing to do for the for the podcast and for the sh- for the site. Um and just see which one duke it out with the 1080 TI, see which one wins. I think that'd be fun. Sweet. Well, so uh, we got anything else? <laughs> I don't think there's anything else out of CES that just jumped out at me as as need to talk to. I'm sure I'm sure over the next week we'll have some more things that pop up that we'll want to mention in the next show. Uh but other than that, I think uh, I think I'm good. What about you, man? Um one thing I will say is in a pet press conference, Lisa Sue actually brought Phil Spencer from Microsoft oh, out from, wow. for the Xbox. Wink, um, wink. And she <laughs> talked to him a little bit about like what they're doing in their partnership and Basically, they kind they didn't really say anything about the next system, but they kind of teased it a little bit. Um, did AMD so do really, Scorpion? Yeah, they did. AMD oh. is yeah. AMD did One X. They did Project Scorpio. Yeah, oh. it's running on AMD GPU. The um, interesting. <laughs> and the funny thing is, like AMD owns the console market, basically. Yeah. I mean, everything, basically everything but, like, the Switch, which is running on NVIDIA Shield. It's basically NVIDIA Shield. I mean, I don't mean that as an insult. That's, it's running <laughs> off the exact same hardware as NVIDIA Shield. Um, just about everything else is running off AMD stuff. Yeah. Um, the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One S, the Xbox One X, um, they're all running AMD CPUs and GPUs. So, something to think about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Well, man, uh, anything, I guess we're getting ready to wrap up. So, uh, anything you want to plug before we get out of here or talk about? Um, not really. Just join us next week. Um, looking forward to getting on and talking some more tech. Do you want to plug anything? Uh, yeah, real quick. Uh, just check us out, uh, on our other podcast at Discussing Network where we talk about comics, you know, Trek and Dr. Who. That's about it. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year. Yeah. Yeah. Happy New Year, guys. Join us next week. Very, very quick. Very, very quick. Very, very quick. Very, very quick. I can't, I can't beat that. <laughs> <laughs> I just smells burnt and dusty. Hey guys, don't miss an episode of the Techpedition podcast. For more information, go to techpedition.com slash subscribe. T-E-C-H-P-E-D-I-T-I-O-N dot com.